In recent months and years, it seems as if every single major branch of evangelical Christianity has watched a famous leader fall. I could go on and on and on with example after example of the crushing public collapse of Christian celebrities. Their metronomic regularity raises the question, what is going on? When I look at these men who have fallen, public exposure typically comes after the three and four transgressions. So like when we read in the book of Amos against Israel, God actually calls the pagan nations. He says, come see the iniquity of my people. So God exposes the sins of his people to the world for two reasons. It's just happening, happening, happening. There's been secret sin in these people's lives. And maybe it wasn't explosive, maybe it wasn't massive, but they were unguarded places in their life that they did not take seriously. The crisis of Christian celebrity. The intoxication of fame and celebrity and all that. I think we create that sometimes in them, believing it is about they earned it. We create it. Now what do you do instead? The positive sense is he's identified two characteristics of leaders who haven't fallen. Mm. And we're going to get to that. Stick with us. You know what we're about to do? We're about to get real. We're about to have conversations that Christians have behind closed doors. The scary ones. The ones that make you feel uncomfortable. That's where we're going. Why? Because we're family. Ustedes son mi familia. So this is the Brian and Janelle podcast. She's Janelle, and I'm Brian. If you don't want to miss anything, all you have to do is hit the subscribe button to get a notification whenever we drop a new episode. This is the Brian and Janelle podcast. There was an article that we've been sitting on for a while yet. Uh, It's called The Crisis of Christian Celebrity. And we had kind of wondered if it would still be relevant. It almost made it in the trash. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> it did. It was like really close because it had to do with, it was written uh, a while back mm. based on the fall of Pastor Carl Lentz out of Hillsong in uh, Hillsong East Coast. Okay. And we talked about that a little bit. We're mm-hmm. like, oh, we already talked about yeah. it. Yeah. We were like, eh, is this going to still be relevant? Oh, and then another major story comes out of another major Christian leader with significant sexual misconduct. Mm. And so it's, uh, uh Yeah. yeah. But what's interesting here is David French, he's a believer and a popular writer, he was able to identify two characteristics of Christian leaders who haven't fallen. And I was like, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Instead of just railing on people who fall, yeah, he's found some things that people share in common that don't fall, at least not in that giant way. Yeah. So we were even debating just a few moments ago how much detail to get into but in this case, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, I, I think it's worth reading, okay? So I'm just going to give you the basic report from Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Uh, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries notified staff, donors, and supporters that there is, quote, convincing and credible evidence that Ravi Zacharias, quote, engaged in sexual misconduct over the years, over the course of many years. Hmm. A, a preliminary report from a law firm they hired to investigate this says it's true. And his daughter, who is now CEO of the ministry, had to release a statement where she said, quote, We know this news will send all of us and thousands of others into grief, confusion, disillusionment, and anger. We know that you'll have many questions, as we all do as well. 
We grieve profoundly with those who've suffered from Ravi's sexual misconduct. It's hmm. a lot, isn't it? Yeah. The one positive that I pull out of that is that the organization, which is really built around his personality, you know, obviously his daughter, the CEO, they hired an outside firm to do the investigation. And when it came up negative, they admitted it and told the world. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that because it's so easy to say, I'm going to put my cousin Bob in charge of finding out the details. And then Bob will do nothing and file a report back to you right. that says, oh, yeah, the founder is... Everything's fine. Know, yeah. yeah. But they took the time to do legitimate research, found out that the claims were true, even though it tarnishes your ministry and, and the founder's name. They let that be known because... That's important. Truth matters. It does matter. And I think it's an excellent point, Ron. And yet here we are again. And buckle up. I, you know I love Ecclesiastes, so I'm going to tell you. Here's the bad news for 2021. It's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. It is. We're going to hear this again and again and again. And so, But it's like happening, I don't know if it's social media or what, but it feels like more often. And there's so much to learn about the times that it has happened recently with the awareness that has increased with the Me Too movement and mm-hmm. Church Too movement, when it happens and stuff comes up, how to respond even before an investigation, you know, because it's just like, I mean, but there's like no right way. It's just the need for conversations like this, yeah. where before it wasn't even a conversation. It's like we didn't need to have it as much. Not at all. Because it and was this, so rare. It was rare that it would come up. And I'm speaking as a victim of molestation privately, like not, it wasn't church related. As I've grown older, I look back and I'm like, now I, I realize conversations around the country and yeah. that it's not. it wasn't just me. Where you're like, man, it wasn't that it wasn't happening. People didn't talk about this in the family, at the church, at the table. Nobody talked about the possibility of things like this happening, let alone in the church. Mm-hmm. You know, and so now to talk about it as like you, like what you just said is powerful to say it's going to happen again. Well, and that's where you also brought up the point that's important, which is it seems like there's something else going on lately because the the frequency of these reports. Yeah, what is up? So David French wrote this article called The Crisis of Christian Celebrity, and here's what he says. It's happened again. A prominent Christian leader has fallen from grace. Allegations of impropriety are pouring out into public, and a church is facing a crisis of faith and confidence. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And here's, but see, here's what he said. This time it's Carl Lentz, friend of Justin Bieber and Kevin Durant, former lead pastor of Hillsong East Coast. But you could almost replace that with anybody, right? Yeah. He said, yes, I know this is old news, blah, blah, blah. But he said it would be a profound mistake to quickly connect his sin to his church's less orthodox style. He said, in recent months and years, it seems as if every single major branch of evangelical Christianity has watched a famous leader fall. Hmm. Are straight-laced fundamentalist homeschoolers immune from scandal? Not at all. Bill Gothard, a man who could once fill arenas with followers— faced dozens of allegations of sexual misconduct and was ultimately forced out of ministry, the one he founded, actually. And, and Gothard is hardly the only fundamentalist leader to quit his ministry in shame. And what about rock-ribbed Southern Baptists? He said, we're mere months removed from Jerry Falwell Jr.'s departure from Liberty University in a cloud of sexual scandal. 
And he brings up a point that Janelle brought up a few moments ago, and it is simply as we see another Christian leader fall from grace in a big public way, what is going on? He said, I could go on and on and on with example after example of the crushing public collapse of Christian celebrities. It seems like this is happening with, as David French calls it, metronomic regularity. Mm-hmm. I like that phrase. If you're not familiar, a metronome is what musicians use to keep time. So like, oh. yeah, it's a metronomic yeah. regularity. Mm-hmm. You see him a lot on a, in a, in a movie, for example, on a piano, yep. going back and forth. It's just happening, 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 yeah. happening. So he says it's tempting to simply cite Reinhold Niebuhr's famous maxim that the doctrine of original sin is, quote, the only empirically verifiable doctrine of the Christian faith. Note that every class of person is susceptible and vulnerable to sin and just move on. He said celebrities are human and we know that human beings are fallen and thus there will always be spectacular falls from grace. He goes, yeah, but must they be so frequent? Must they be so constant? Is there something about celebrity itself that makes the fall more likely? And he goes on to examine that. He says, I've known pastors who were absolutely convinced that they were faithful men. Right until that moment, they made a connection with the attractive woman in the front pew. Hmm. said, I've known Christian leaders who believed they were honest. Right until the moment honesty might harm their ministry. Mm. And I've known celebrities who believed they were humble, but who also somehow convinced themselves that God needs their ministry to accomplish his work on earth. And so he goes on to ultimately talk about how there's a false blessing in celebrity in that it has its own charisma. Mm -hmm. I like this Mm -hmm. point where he says, people laugh harder at your jokes. They fix their eyes on you more. Just being a celebrity, like celebrity has a charisma that you don't even deserve. Right. I mean, case in point, the entire Kardashian family. (laughs) What have they done? Oh my goodness. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. They made millions doing it. (laughs) Exactly. So he said, I've known a number of Christian public figures who haven't fallen, men and women who've lived decades in the public eye and have lived with integrity. And while they've come from different backgrounds and different strands of Christian theology, they've typically shared two common convictions. Hmm. And were it not for my boss, Josh, who makes me take breaks all the time, I tell you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Blame somebody else. We'll get to those two characteristics and discuss them coming up. So we're talking about this article from David French, The Crisis of Christian Celebrity, and he knows a number of Christian public figures who haven't fallen, and he thinks they share two characteristics, and here they are. First, they don't trust their own virtue. Hmm. And second, they don't believe they earned their fame. Yeah. They don't trust their own virtue. And they don't believe they earned their fame. Mm. So he goes on to kind of explain this. He said, the Christian leaders of integrity are also typically keenly aware of the unique dangers of spiritual connection and spiritual authority. Spiritual connection with a person can be especially intimate. Spiritual authority is particularly easy to abuse. But a person who doesn't trust in their own virtue takes affirmative steps to protect himself from a foolish fall. They don't have to map out a full-blown Pence rule or Modesto Manifesto or whatever. He said (laughs) to take prudent steps to guard against your own fallen nature. This shouldn't even be a matter of religious controversy. But he's like, you don't trust your own virtue. Does does that resonate with you? 
Yes, uh, uh, yeah. it fits so much in the gospel. I mean, we are sinners. We are prone to sin. And so why deny that? Why pretend like, well, I'm a ministry leader. God is going to uh, take that away from me. No, admit that you are a sinner. That's why you needed Jesus to save you in the first yeah. place. That is changing, but it will never fully go away. And so you need to, I was going to say embrace that. That's not the right word, but acknowledge that and prepare ways to protect yourself from falling. Yeah. And you know, he actually, David French goes on to say that this concept of not trusting your own virtue should transcend religion. It shouldn't even be just a Christian thing. Yeah. I was thinking about that. And knowing, and and like you said, acknowledging that you're capable of any sin. And I think Mm -hmm. even we do that. Um, just regular people. You don't have to be famous. We're th- we think after you've been a Christian for a while, there's no way I would do that. And there's danger there, and the Bible talks about it, you right. know, about the weakness of our flesh and not to trust our flesh. So, yeah, I think that applies to everyone. And he, he actually quotes, he said, one of America's most influential and thoughtful progressive atheists, Ta Nahisi Coates. Here's what this person writes about not trusting their own virtue. Mm -hmm. I've been with my spouse for almost 15 years. In those years, I've never been with anyone but the mother of my son. But that's not because I'm an especially good and true person. In fact, I am wholly in possession of an unimaginable filthy and mongrel mind. But I am also a dude who believes in guardrails, as a buddy of mine once put it. I don't believe in getting in the moment and then exercising willpower. I believe in avoiding the moment. Wow. I believe in being absolutely clear with myself about why I am having a second drink and why I am not, why I am going to a party and why I am not. I believe that the battle is lost at happy hour, not at the hotel. I am not a good man, but I am prepared to be an honorable one. That's well said. That's from an atheist. Exactly. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. And so a Christian leader... A Christian in general, but a Christian leader cannot trust in their own virtue. Yeah. Can't say, I am so spiritual, so saved yeah. that I'm immune to this. Yeah. Nope, you're not. You're not. Yeah. Years ago, I went several times to a big music festival called Creation in Pennsylvania. And Josh McDowell was a featured speaker several times. And I can distinctly remember him talking about these kind of things and saying, friends, I want you, and he's talking to thousands of us on this hillside, anytime you see me, feel free to say, how are things between you and Dottie, which is his wife? And I thought, what a great thing to do, because some people will take him up on that. And the more times that people come up and say, how are things between you and Dottie, it's going to to resonate with him and keep those guardrails in place. Yeah, and you know, I think it's really easy for Christian celebrities to lose the guardrails mm-hmm. and trust in their own virtue. But I think all of us do this. Yeah, we do. How many times do we hear Christians hear about the latest celebrity fall and talk about this person, this Christian celebrity that's fallen from grace, with an air of self-righteousness? Oh, how could they do that? How could they do that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I would never do such things. Yeah. On the really? one hand, yeah. In a ministry, in an organization, whether it's a church or a parachurch or anything, when you write up your rules and regulations, things like this should be dealt with 
and prepared for. You know, churches, the, the elder board should have accountability over the pastor and should have that not only freedom, but responsibility to check him on things and say, you've been counseling that pretty widow lady a lot lately. Are things okay there? You know, whatever you may see going on. And so you have a disdain for somebody who either had a poorly set up ministry where they were surrounded with yes men or, or whatever the case may be. But on your own, you don't think about that in your personal life because you're not surrounded by other people in your ministry. But you, you'd really need to think about it in your personal life because we're no different than them. We're all prone to sin. But see, ma- many of us have convinced ourselves we are different. Hmm. I've encountered so many Christians, and I've been there myself, where you, know, you go to church for enough years and you work enough at religion that you start, you know, you're kind of like, wow, me and Jesus, we're like the same. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, oh no. my goodness. You start, I know it sounds ridiculous, but yeah. you start reading the New Testament and it's like, when you read it, you're standing next to Jesus. Like, yeah. what is wrong with all these people? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're Peter denying That's Jesus. so true. You are the woman at the well. You're offered grace yeah. in spite of who you are still today. Mm-hmm. So I think that applies to us as well. But then the other one, they, they, don't, they don't believe they earned their fame. Yeah. And I think of a story that Erwin Lutzer told me once. Dr. Erwin Lutzer from Running to Win, if you're not familiar, he does a great Billy Graham impression. Mm. And he talks about the first time he was able to meet Billy Graham. Billy Graham preached at Moody Church. He meets Billy Graham. He gets a chance, sits down and goes, Pastor Graham, what an honor it is to meet you. You're just my biggest hero. And I so admire all you do. And Billy Graham's response was, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Oh, <laughs> Like with sincerity, I was like, oh boy, I'm so sorry that you feel that way. If you only knew me, you know, that was the temperature of the whole thing. And it took Dr. Lutzer back a little bit, but I think that's one of those things too, where that's somebody who knows they didn't earn their celebrity. It's only by God's grace that you're where you are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a lot for us to learn in all of this. I think in helping with that, if we, we have a heart for our leaders in our church and we love our pastors helping them with that. Because I think sometimes we push this idea that they did earn it. You hear a lot of like, you're so gifted, you're so anointed. And anointed, I get it. I'm just saying it turns into, it's about you and it's about your gifts. And we make it a lot about them and we don't help what's already difficult, what already happens naturally. Mm-hmm. The I mentioned to you off air, the intoxication of, of fame and celebrity mm-hmm. and all that. I think that we create that sometimes in them, believing it oh, is do. about they earned it. We create it. Yeah. We absolutely create it. Now, what do you do instead? You know, you, know, you want to honor them and be like, I appreciate your service. I, I, I just want to know. Perfect like, answer. Yeah. I'm asking you because even like when my pastors do awesome sermons, you, I want to, I've learned not to do this, but to be like, man, that was amazing. And you know, but I've learned because I've had friends that are pastors, they don't like that, you know, and so, but you want to show appreciation. Yeah. And yet you want them to seem uncomfortable when you do it. Like, I think my pastor's nailed this where yeah. he has a really hard time receiving specific compliments. I try to be specific and say things like, the Lord taught me this 
through your sermon recently. Yeah. Right. Which is giving God the credit for it. Yes. And I can see it just starts to kind of shift. And, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, that's what it should be. Not like, well, yeah, you know, I'm really inspired today. <laughs> I mean, if you see that in some way, I think you got to run. Yeah, or at least true. try to hold them accountable in some way. That's true. Lots to think about there, but I think it's important for us to consider this. And so we hope you'll do that, too. We also hope you'll keep listening for one of our favorite local pastors to guide us in reacting as Jesus would have us react when Christian leaders really let us down. Hey, it's Brian. If you've been a faithful listener to this podcast, we're just super grateful for you. Can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us in our journey to follow Jesus a little more closely every day. But I got to remind you about something. We're listener-supported. We're a ministry of Moody Radio in Cleveland, and it's donations from people who listen to us, just like you, that allow us to keep making episodes. So rather than tiptoe, because I'm not good at that, or dance around it, because I certainly can't dance, I'm going to be direct. We need your money, your financial support. Would you consider a donation to this ministry? A gift of any amount will make a huge difference. If you want to donate, we'd be so grateful. Just go to moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Again, moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Thanks. What you heard for the first 20 minutes here was the conversation we had one day about what those under ministry leaders can do, how we may respond, and how we can encourage our pastors and other ministry leaders to walk worthy of their calling. Pastor Leonard Tanks joined us the next morning with his perspective of a leader of a smaller ministry that desires to be faithful to the Lord. He gives us some valuable vision into the responsibility of Christian leaders and all Christians to live as though they are fallible. I love having you here to talk about tough issues for a lot of reasons, but one of them I think could even be your perspective in ministry because I was reading an article on the air from David French and he was saying, that nobody enters ministry going, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to become a pastor so that I can get rich, famous, have some sexual conquests. And just, you know what I mean? Like right. no one does that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a couple of charlatans out there who do those kind of things. Facts. But for the most part, when someone starts in ministry, they love Jesus and they want to proclaim his gospel. Right. And yet something happens to the point that now we have almost weekly a new prominent Christian mm-hmm. completely falling apart because of scandal. Facts. I mean, we can even ignore the most current one for the moment and go, it was, uh, everyone's talking about that pastor in New York City. Right. Carl Lentz, right? From mm-hmm. Hillsong. Mm-hmm. And, That's a big one. It, and so, does that make you as a pastor at all, like, a little bit, I don't know, fearful is the right word, but there's there's a measure of, oh no, how do I do this right Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I'll just be honest, man, like, that's what I do when I'm here, right? Um so one of the things that my wife has consistently prayed is because my wife as a woman struggles with the fact that when you read, even in the Bible, when you read of these people that we call like faith fathers and pillars of the faith, like she struggles as a woman saying they all have moral failures mm-hmm. in the, most of them in the area of sexuality. Yeah. And she's, like, yeah. and she's like, I, she's like, I struggle with that. Like these great men were unfaithful these great men were abusive or some of them were rapists and we read them in the bible and 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 you know and parade them around as great so she struggles with that and then she like and then i struggle that when we read especially when these falls happen but like people that we consider great men of god even today she was like 
and you find out like at some point like they cheated on their wife right and then they got redeemed and they worked on it and she's like so my wife has been praying for a long time that that would never be our testimony um, and I don't want it to be our testimony like test great testimonies but I don't need it I don't want it mm-hmm. um and but one of the things that especially with um the last two the most the most recent last two is I honest I just be honest like I honestly sat in my office and I said and I prayed and I said you know what God help me with better discipline right help me in those moments when I may not guard my eyes the right way or help me in those moments where I may not guard my thoughts the right way and and make allow me to never minimize even if I have a desire to take a second look right even if I don't take the second look help me not to minimize that the desire to take the second look existed mm-hmm. because when I look at these men who have fallen I always say from the Bible that I read, public exposure is never the first response of God to unfaithfulness of his people. When I read the Bible, public exposure typically comes after the three and four transgressions. So like when we read in the book of Amos against Israel, God actually calls the pagan nations. He says, come see the iniquity of my people. So God exposes the sins of his people to the world for two reasons. One all of it is part of his is like, hey, this is your last chance. Get it together. Repent. Right. But also because once God actually has to act upon his own children, he doesn't want the world to be able to say, look what they God did to them. He sent them out into the wilderness to die. Like, no, you didn't go up the mountain. You're in the wilderness because you ain't want to go up the mountain the first time I told you to take it. Right. So now you're wandering in the wilderness. I didn't send you out here to die. You were disobedient. And so God makes sure that nobody can blame him. When he finally has to act even against his own children, that the world would say, I mean, did you see what them jokers was doing? Like uh, he he better had done something. But the point huh. is, it's not it's not the first response of God. So when I see these public exposures to the world of the sins of the church, I'm like, there's been secret sin, unguarded sin in these people's lives. And maybe it wasn't explosive. Maybe it wasn't massive, but they were unguarded places in their life that they did not take seriously. And I, and I just remember sitting in my, in my office and I was just, and I just said, God, help me, help me never to minimize. And I'm not saying this in no self-righteous way. I'm saying I pray that because I can identify places where I minimize even the thought or even the desire and be like, Oh, whatever, you know, we all get thoughts, we all get desires. And it's like facts, but let me not minimize it. And let me in the moment say, God, help me be at a place of discipline. Help me put back up the boundaries in my life that I put down because people was like, oh, that, you, that's all. You're legalistic in that. That's, you're taking. And so I was like, well, maybe I am being a little too hard here. And then I was like, no, I'm not. I'm guarding my life. I tell you, I'm, oh, I'm talking a lot, but I'm just giving, being honest. That's why here. you're here, bro. I'm that's getting cool. honest. Like, <laughs> like a young lady that I know, she was like, hey, you need to get on TikTok. Just because she she's about the exposure, helping. She like people need you're a cool dude. You funny. You do stuff. Get on TikTok. Do so. I'm like, all right, cool. I hate you know. I, I got Instagram, Facebook. That's like the extent of what I can handle. <laughs> right? Should I feel bad that no one's asked me to be on TikTok? Uh, we'll talk about that. <laughs> can you imagine Brian on TikTok? Oh, oh my good. goodness! <laughs> so I got on TikTok, and literally right after the Carl Lentz thing, I got off TikTok because what I be what I realized was like I spent aimless time on TikTok. 
But all that was coming up in my TikTok initial feeds was always like, it's all dancing. Yeah. It's all girls on there dancing and twerking and stuff like that. And you scroll by, you scroll by, you scroll by. But that's some, But I'm just like, if this is all that keeps showing up, why am I getting on this thing? And I was like, you know what? This is dangerous. I should put a boundary up in my life before it becomes something. And so I was like, I'm done. I don't need to be on TikTok. This pastor won't be on TikTok. <laughs> and so it's we're up against a break. I don't want to get in trouble from my boss, Josh. He's oh, oh he, but I'm tanks, scared of him. Kind of. Tanks got your back. He got your back <laughs> with Josh. Yeah, I got your back with Josh. See, I mean, well, I don't know what that means though. <laughs> Let's just not get in trouble. I think we better take a break. When we come back, I would guess that Carl Lentz and others who uh, have fallen in ministry would have said the same thing you just said. So what are the takeaways for us as we watch time and again with almost like, as David French said, metronomic regularity? What do we learn from all these pastors and ministry leaders falling from grace? Reverend Leonard Tanks Jr. with us today talking about what our takeaways can be as a church and as parishioners, pastors, whatever it is, just our our takeaways, believers, from this metronomic regularity of ministry leaders and people of prominence, dare I say, celebrity pastors falling. Mm -hmm. You had Carl Lentz in New York. You had Bill Hybels. Mm -hmm. You had now Ravi Zacharias. Mm -hmm. And so what's our takeaway, Pastor? What are we supposed to learn from this? Yeah, so a few things that I think is that Our biggest takeaway is that, man, we have to really be submitted to some level of accountability and and not just our friends because friendship accountability can be good. And I think you need some of that in your accountability circle. But at the same time, man, sometimes friendships have blind spots within themselves. Sometimes what we find out and it's easy to do is if I know Brian really well and Brian does something suspect, and, and you know he always says suspect stuff, but like let's say he all does something <laughs> all the time, all the time. Can we talk about, about that? I don't know, I know what you mean. <laughs> but if he does something suspect, and maybe Janelle says something, right? Let's, let's imagine they're not Brian and Janelle in the morning, right? And Janelle says something. My relationship with Brian may cause me to give him the benefit of the doubt because I'm like, well, that's just not him. That was just outside of his character. Yeah. Instead of saying, hold up, there's something in your character that we need to talk about. And so I think we need to create better accountability structures for leaders. And as leaders, we need to submit ourselves to accountability. I can't I don't know the like the deep details and I'm not in nobody's closet. I'm not in anybody's bedroom, but I can imagine that these things happen because there has been accountability loss within their lives, whether they don't want to submit to accountability or whether they have accountability that looks that's more uh, wild by them than, than they are. Because that's one yes. thing, right? It's like, well, no, you, you're so in awe of the person, you can't even hold them accountable to anything, yeah. you know? And it's like, and I don't know which one, but I'm just, I'm convinced that it, it becomes an issue of accountability. And so one of the things just as leaders I take away is, man, if you don't have an accountability circle, that should be a prerequisite for any church hiring. <laughs> Who is your accountability? I want their references and I want to talk to them. I want to know that you are accountable to somebody other than just your previous pastor, if you're a leader, right? Because sometimes the relationship there can create a situation where they can't, they don't necessarily hold you to a standard that they should because they know you and they know your heart, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So that's what I take away from leaders. And that's just as Christians, man, I just take away like one, we can't we can't lose faith in leaders 
because that's the dangerous part is that people begin to lose faith in in who the in leaders cannot trust leadership is you know like I just want to say like you don't lose faith in leadership realize that man leadership is good God has appointed leadership. Men are flawed, and I'm not giving them an excuse. Men are flawed, need to be held accountable for their for their actions, and consequences need to happen. But don't give up on leadership. Just continue to trust God, continue to pray, continue to to uh, uh, um, to follow whatever the direction that you feel God is calling you as far as, like, what churches to go to, what leadership you should be under. And just don't lose faith in the church, man. Like, don't lose faith in the church. Like, God is still in control. This stuff, and listen, this isn't new. Like, let's just be very clear here. Leadership within God's community has been jacked up for a long time, right? You remember the whole Babylonian captivity was because they had leaders who were telling them things contrary. So God says, what? Listen, I'm going to in the lab, I'm going to raise up shepherds after my own heart because they had the, their leadership was wicked, right? And well, so most of the epistles <laughs> are there to address problems. Yeah, yeah pro- right, exactly. And so we have to realize like there's always going to be this because the Bible tells us that Wolves will rise from even amongst us. And I'm not calling, let me be cautious here. I'm not calling all of these fallen leaders wolves. I'm not. <laughs> but I'm also saying, understand that some of them are. Yeah. And the Bible tells us that people, to corrupt the church and to corrupt the view of the church, um, Satan is active. Satan is busy. And so what we have to do is, because he's busy, be more active in prayer, be more active in our spiritual disciplines so that we don't find ourselves on that side of the line. And one of the problems I'm seeing, and it may not just be recent, it may just be more visible because of social media and the internet, is the church's response when injustice happens within the church. Mm -hmm. Like, we're so busy protecting our leaders and protecting our reputation Mm -hmm. that we don't protect the vulnerable and the victims. But I'm struggling with the tension of how do we not lose faith in our leaders and support them? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when does it start? When do you cross the line of we need to to seek justice or we need to seek truth at the very least? Right. So I think seeking truth should always be, I mean, like, that should be at the very front. Well, seeking truth sometimes entails you entertaining the possibility that right. someone that you love and trust did something. Right. So we're afraid to do that. Facts. And that's why I think that we still, like, we have to realize, like, we have, and I'll just be honest, even when we, if we, when we talk about the situation, we gotta get, when we talk about, like, the situation with, um, with Robbie, like, everybody know, like, my whole apologetic passion was birthed by him. Oh, You know yeah. what I'm saying? I was, yeah. I was a part of the, the Emerging Apologist Program, or RZIM, so, so, like, me, when that happened, I'll admit, like, I was poor in my response. Like, I'll be honest on air. Like, I was like, man, that's, that ain't true. You know what I'm saying? Because of the fact that I was like, yo, all my passions and ministry was birthed by this man. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. This can't be. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, I don't want it to be. I don't. And that's what, it's not that it can't be. Because we know, we have enough examples to know that it's possible. Right. Corinthians 10 tell us, take heed, least you fall. Let nobody think they're standing, least they're fall. Yeah. It's possible That's right. to fall when you get puffed up, arrogant and et cetera, et cetera. Too big for yourself, no accountability. But it's I don't want this to be true. But my response that that hurts the person that is like, yeah. yo, this. But it is true. And it happened to me. And I think that what I realize is just that, man, you know what? Every. We need to follow, you know, First Timothy 5, right? If you're going to bring a, a, an, an accusation against an elder, make sure you come with two or three witnesses. And I don't mean people all the time. I think it's, it's make sure you can substantiate your claim, right? 
So I believe that we we should make sure that people are just not throwing any type yeah. of nonsense on leaders. But I think that we have to realize that we're in a fallen state in this culture, in this world, and we're going to get worse. And so we have to say, anytime something comes to our table, we have to say, hey, we got to investigate this without bias. And even if it hurts, the, the, why would you think that about me? Listen, it's not what I think about you. It's about truth. We have to get to the bottom of truth because it's not just you I have to care about, but it's my brother, my sister over here who's saying this yeah. offense has happened to me. It's a balance that I think we're going to do good and not do good at. Yeah. But I just think that I would hope that as me as a leader, if somebody makes accusation against me and people have nothing like sexual, but people have said like he was mean to me, et cetera, et cetera. Cool. Let's talk about it. <laughs> if that's really true, I have no problem with anybody saying tanks did this happen. Bring the person in here. Let's talk about it in public. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's like, you know, I keep receipts on a lot of stuff for these very reasons. <laughs> but that's, yeah. you know, one of the one of the final things I want to throw out there is one of the essential problems in 2020 with the state of where technology is and such of celebrity pastors, I think, is that and celebrity ministry leaders. Mm -hmm. This adds a new dynamic of celebrity that I think is really toxic. Mm. And wh where I see a difference in the church is there's this level at which somebody reaches where they become inaccessible. Facts. And I, uh, when I was working in Chicago for Moody, we did some traveling and some remote broadcasts in Los Angeles. I had virtually no trouble getting onto the set of a major TV production, meeting the stars of it. We went to the Disney studios, met with a Disney star, no trouble doing that. But we sometimes had trouble getting a, an email back from a celebrity pastor. Gotcha. And so... Am, am I wrong here to say that that something that's essential for accountability is a pastor needs to be accessible to everyone? Yeah, I think they, I don't know everyone necessarily, but a, a group of people for sure. Maybe not everybody. I don't. There are celebrity pastors that you only see them in the pulpit. They sneak out with their security. You can't get an appointment. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm with you on that. Accessibility is the key to accountability. If I'm not going to pick up my phone, you can't hold me accountable. If I'm not going to return right, emails, saying, you're right? not going to hold yeah. me accountable. So I have to, that's what I'm saying. As leaders, we have to say, I'm going to make, even if I say, I'm, I make myself accessible to six people at any given time. These six people will call, will come over, will dig deep in my life. You know what I'm saying? I do that. I make myself accessible. And I have to continue to make myself accessible. And if I'm not accessible, these people will pop up like, yo, what's up? Like, you ain't hit me. You busy? Why you ain't returning my calls? Because sometimes I'm like, I've just been so busy. But it's like, oh, okay, cool. Well, now that I got you, let's let's talk. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so you do have to be accessible. You have to be transparent. But the reality is, man, if you're a leader listening, if you're any, if you're the world listening, if you, man, at the end of the day, we have to pay very close attention to what is happening. And I am convinced. I preached it to my church. I just said it earlier, and I'll say it again. When God starts to expose His children to the world and allows the world to see what is happening. It is not a time to cover up. It is a time to respond and to call these people to repentance. It's not a time to start quoting all of the, well, God knows hearts. Nobody's perfect. That's perfectly fine. Nobody's not time to start talking about, but they're anointed. That's perfectly fine. Paul said that he was, Paul was anointed. And he said, I disciplined my body that after I preach to others, I myself may not be disqualified. You're, you can be anointed to do anything. <laughs> Anointing doesn't mean God's approval of you, right? It just means Nebuchadnezzar was anointed for his purpose to take Israel. And like, that doesn't mean God, I approve of this man. Like, no, anointing is just 
to accomplish God's purpose. But it's a time for us to look at these situations, call people to repentance, and as a church begin to refine things within ourselves to protect these leaders, right? Because they need to be, we should be wanting to protect them too. Yes. From from the fall, because it's inevitable, right? I know I'm talking, but Genesis 4, right? Uh, Sin is at his door, Cain, right? And his desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Sin desires us. And we should also want to protect these leaders the moment they go into leadership and say, we should be saying, make sure they have accountability, make sure they have this, make sure they have that, because the enemy wants to destroy the head. He can't destroy Christ. So he come after the the, the smaller under shepherds <laughs> so he can destroy the head, so he can try to pollute and destroy the body. So we have to be careful and take this stuff seriously. Time always flies when you're hanging out with Pastor Tanks. Again, Reverend Leonard Tanks Jr., pastor of Reach City Church in Cleveland's Huff neighborhood. And word on the street is that you're applying to be chaplain of Team Brian. Is that? Um, yeah, you, yeah. Do you discipleship, what? accountability. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> oh, needs uh, all kinds. Someone else got the job. <laughs> Somebody else got the job. <laughs> Hey, hold up. Where are you going? You know you liked your time with us. You want more. So look down, hit that button right there, subscribe, and you'll get updated episodes, and then you can hang some more. And guess what? You can help us. How? A five-star rating. You can also hang with us live weekday 6 to 9 a.m. Interact with us, talk with us. Download the Moody Radio app. Or at brianandjanelle.org. And we don't put all this together all by ourselves. There's some great people behind all this production. We want to thank Ron Eastwood, Kelly Ryder, Paul Carter, Mike Reynolds, and our awesome and fearless leader, Josue Villa. And finally, this podcast is a production of Moody Radio in Cleveland, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Well, Brian, that's a wrap. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>